by and large, ebook sales have flattened out to a very large degree, in large part because it's become a, an extremely crowded marketplace where there are millions and millions of self-published books. And unless you're a marketing guru as an author, it's very difficult to make your book stand out. Hey there, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, and this week, top-ranked New York literary agent Mark Gottlieb of Trident Media Group dropped by to enlighten us about all things publishing, including what it's like to work at one of the world's leading agencies, how to stand out as a writer, and the kinds of projects he's looking for right now. Mark grew up around books and best-selling authors, and the writing life had an influence on him from an early age. Inspired to go into the family business, he graduated with a degree in writing, literature, and publishing, and began his career at Penguin. He's since gone on to become one of the top-ranked agents on Publishers Marketplace, and has represented numerous award-winning and New York Times best-selling authors. Trident Media Group is a prominent New York agency that represents a diverse stable of over 1,000 best-selling and emerging authors across a wide range of genres in fiction and nonfiction. Mark's optioned books for both film and TV, and is actively building a client list of authors at TMG. He previously ran their audiobook department and has worked in foreign rights. He has a passion for working directly with authors to help them manage and build their careers using the unique resources available to him at one of the world's leading literary agencies. If you're interested in an insider's take on how to get traditionally published today, stick around. This is a good one. And just a quick note that this episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by the inspiring team at Author Accelerator. You know that book idea rattling around in your head? Well, now is the time to take it seriously. And working with an Author Accelerator book coach is the best way to write forward. Author Accelerator book coaches give writers feedback, accountability, and support while you write so that you can get that idea out of your head and onto the page. And if you think book coaching sounds like a gig you'd like to do, many authors and copywriters have the exact skill set needed to become great book coaches themselves, including managing a project and understanding that creative process. Author Accelerator offers intensive book coach training and masterclasses so you can add this premium service to your own arsenal. Writers can head over to authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles for more information and to get the free seven-day writing challenge to start mapping out your book. That's authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles. And in part one of this file, Mark and I discussed what it's like to grow up hanging out with Dean Koontz and Tom Clancy, how to avoid overwhelm when you start your journey to publication, tried and true recommendations and resources for aspiring authors ready to reach out to an agent, how to use Publishers Marketplace as your giant Rolodex for book publishing, why authors might choose traditional over self-publishing, how agents advocate for authors to make sure they take advantage of every possible opportunity, and the enduring power of print books, audiobooks, indie bookstores, and the power of the writing community. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. 
That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files and I have a very esteemed guest today. Uh, We are lucky to have the top literary agent, Mark Gottlieb, popping by today. He is, uh, as I mentioned, from Trident Media Group, and uh, I think maybe the hardest working agent in the business. What's going on, Mark? <laughs> Thank you for that <laughs> very kind intro. I will try my best to uh, to live up to that. Yeah. Um, thank you uh, yeah, for having me on the show. I'm excited to, to be here talking with you. Yeah, I mean, it's different, I think, for the writer files, um, but you know, we do teaching episodes where we get a subject matter expert on here to um, expound on their lifelong wisdom. And, and it's interesting um, and fascinating to me, obviously kind of from the other side, because we have interviewed so many best-selling authors um, who obviously had many of them, the traditionally published authors, a lot of help from their uh, qualified agents and uh, you and Trident Media Group, one of the leading and, and largest uh, and very diverse literary agencies, are kind of out there and in the wild. And and you know you you run up against you know these these best-selling authors every day. You yourself um, ranked number one among agents on Publishers Marketplace and overall deals. And I know Trident is uh, just rocking it out there. Yeah, thank you for that. Um... It's true. It's a big agency where I work. We represent a lot of New York Times bestselling authors and Pulitzer Prize winning authors. There are probably over a thousand authors with the agency. It's it's big as far as a New York literary agency goes. Yeah. And um, I mean, my ranking that you you point out, you know, I'll just be clear, that's in volume of deals. So at one point, yes, I had ranked uh, number one overall in Publishers Marketplace in overall volume of deals. The agency itself, though, where I work, typically ranks number one on Publishers Marketplace, both for not only volume of deals, but amount of money for deals yeah. every year consecutively since 2004. Incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we do, we do a lot of good work, and we do work with a lot of those kinds of authors you were mentioning, a lot of big-name, best-selling authors. That's, that's really cool to see. And um, you help, you know, authors manage, grow their careers. Um, you offer a lot of resources, both. You know, of course, I'll drop links to um, Trident Media Group's website, tridentmediagroup.com, uh, your uh, agent page there. And you, you do also uh, offer some great resources on your own blog. So I'll put links to all those great things in the show notes and listeners can find those. Thank you. But yeah, you yourself have represented New York Times bestselling authors, award-winning authors, uh, our friend James Breakwell, oh. <laughs> the uh, funniest dad on Twitter, Exploding Unicorn and Bare Minimum Parenting Fame. I love that book. He's a really cool guy. So I'll, I'll drop a link to that interview also. But yeah, so let's get into what it's like for you as a, as a literary agent. And I know, you know, I kind of joke about you expounding on the publishing secrets of, you know, that, that world, but, but really 
you know, we kind of mentioned this before we started rolling. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't these aren't secrets. <laughs> um, these are uh, well. There's well known kind of resources out there that that writers can mm-hmm. tap into and really learn from before um, or during their search for an agent, right? That's right. Yeah, there are a lot of I think you know things that work well for authors that they're not sure whether these are tried and true rules and and how they should, you know, for instance, construct a query letter. And I suppose the only way to, you know, dispel um, secrets or myths is to say that I, I find that there aren't necessarily rules in book publishing, but there are things that I've tried that I recommend to clients because I found that they've worked well. You know, it's kind of like uh, entertainment as a whole and, and book publishing as a part of that. It's just full of people who can say no with only a very small handful of people who can say yes. And so why why on earth would you want to give someone a reason to say no? You yeah. want to f- give them more reasons to say yes. So it's I just try to help authors, you know, in removing a lot of, you know, potential roadblocks um it's not just to say it has to be done one way though right exactly well let's go let's turn back the clock a little bit i usually ask authors about their kind of superhero origin stories but um what what inspired you to become a literary agent so i think unlike a lot of other folks who go into book publishing as as it's come to be known as sort of the accidental profession maybe you know, uh, someone was an English major, they decided they didn't want to go into academia, they didn't want to turn that into a law degree. And they and they maybe found it was too difficult to write books. So maybe they decided to go into publishing just by happenstance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas with me, it was different, uh, in large part, because I grew up in and around books all my life, my dad happens to own and operate the agency where I work. So I grew up around books from a very young age and was surrounded by, you know, best-selling authors from a young age. You know, I remember, for instance, eating Japanese food with Dean Coons or being at Tom Clancy's (laughs) apartment um, and visiting him at his home or, or going up to Vermont to see Jana Ivanovich, you know, all people, you know, who he was working with and I was growing up around. So, it was sort of a natural progression for me and it's why I sought out a degree in writing literature and publishing and then, you know, gravitated toward the family business as it were and book publishing. That's cool. Yeah. That must've been a really, really interesting childhood. Oh, I mean, definitely a lot of, uh, colorful characters you could say. (laughs) Yeah. But it gave you a, a love of storytelling and art and it really, I think enriched your life. In a lot of ways, I remember growing up, a lot of my friends didn't really know what their parents did. You know, they were kind of uh, distant from them or, or, or didn't show an interest in what they did. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember our walls being lined with bookshelves and, you know, feeling good, feeling enveloped by books. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think what I'd love to get into is just kind of, you know, what we can share with writers listening to this who may have manuscripts that are completed or in progress or nearly completed only about the resources that you kind of have access to with your storied kind of career but you know maybe some best practices 
um, or venues that uh, we can share with them here and now for connecting with you and other potential agents out there um, that might be interested in helping uh, their careers? Well, I think that there, there's a lot out there that can really overwhelm an author when they're trying to figure out how to find an agent or how to go on and get published. And I find that one of the simplest things an author can do is to use a, a resource like Publishers Marketplace, which I mentioned earlier in the show. It's, mm-hmm. it's not only like a giant Rolodex for book publishing, it's also you know, one of the industry standards for book news and deals being announced. Mm-hmm. It's, sort, it's different than Publishers Weekly magazine in that Publishers Weekly magazine is really um, outwardly focused at the book industry and and people and to people who read and review books, um, whereas Publishers Marketplace is a lot more inwardly focused within the industry. And so authors can actually sub- I sound like a salesman for Publishers Marketplace, but <laughs> they, they can subscribe for free and they get emails um, with new- news, free news updates. They see uh, deal announcements. If they pay, I think, for a membership, they can actually get beyond a paywall in the website mm-hmm. and it's it's really not all that much and what that enables them to do is they can look up any agency or book editor the books they've sold or acquired uh they can look up you know contact information like email addresses addresses phone numbers um it's kind of like imdb pro but for books yeah and cool. i think what's great about it is it really shows the author uh, the rankings of all of these agencies. You know, I mentioned our agency's rankings before. You know, that's that's an, an overall volume of deals and amount of money for deals, right? But what authors can also do is they can really drill down into, for instance, who's the number one leading agent in, you know, I don't know, science fiction and fantasy, or who's the leading agent in women's fiction romance? And they can see the recent deals and things like that. And so it's, they can do a deeper dive that way, I think, than to be caught up in a lot of other stuff online, which can oftentimes, you know, I think be a distraction to authors. It's Mm -hmm. a really good site. That's great. That's great. Yeah. The IMDB pro for, for writers is is a a good way to describe (laughs) that. Like what's the box office mojo for writers? Is that the, uh, Nielsen. Uh, I would say that would be Nielsen Bookscan. Yeah. yeah, box okay. office mojo. Like you say, you can look <laughs> at the budget of yeah. films and how well they performed in how many territories. And Nielsen Bookscan yeah. will let you drill down on book sales. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I mean, an interesting question is, I'm sure as you know, uh, so many writers look at like the self-publishing piece nowadays. Um, why, why should authors consider having an agent represent them as opposed yeah. to going it out in the wild on their own? Well, I think there are a number of reasons. And, you know, to speak about self-publishing itself, I would say that by and large, ebook sales have flattened out to a very large degree. It's become, in, part, in large part, because it's become a, an extremely crowded marketplace where there are millions and millions of self-published books. And unless you're a marketing guru as an author, it's very difficult 
to make your book stand out. Yeah. And even with that in mind, the other problem in the ebook space is that it's kind of been like a race to the bottom in that who can sell the most books for the lowest price. And when you do that, these authors are continually undercutting each other's business. And for instance, it's much better to sell, even if it's fewer books at a very high price than many at an extremely, extremely low price. So, you know, that's been part of the problem. I think of self-publishing and, and the level of self-control. Now there are some authors that early on, I think, in the ebook craze, sort of like the dot-com boom, mm-hmm. you know, hit it big, and you know, it was like winning the lottery for them. But the majority of those authors took that as a springboard opportunity to make their way in traditional book publishing That's because, fair. yeah, I think a lot of them realized that they didn't want to be locked into one ecosystem which was smart because for those who got out in time, they, they didn't suffer from, you know, the kind of this, I don't want to call it an ebook market crash, but ebook sales are way, way down at the yeah. moment. Yeah, um, and, uh, they got the authors who made their way from ebook into traditional, they were able to get themselves into other revenue channels, like, you know, to see their books in print in audio, uh, published and translated, uh, overseas. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think, I think there's still, you know, a lot of uh, purpose to having a literary agent, uh, even with the opportunities that, you know, self-publishing ha- has afforded. An agent is someone who kind of advocates you know, on behalf of an author. Mm-hmm. They're really there in their corner to advise them almost like a a business partner might, you know, yeah. we help to craft a pitch to publishers and uh, see their books submitted and published successfully. We help to oversee all of the accounting and information tracking to try and get their books made into film and TV projects done in audio and, 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 and translated. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, to just shift gears a little bit from that piece, I mean, how do you feel about the importance of you know, maybe the future of paper books now, since that time, you know, since that kind of explosion that you, that boom that you spoke about, and and then what you're seeing now, you know, and, you know, maybe you could tie that into, I don't know, this resurgence of like indie bookstores and, and that, mm-hmm. that amazing uh, kind of uh, community around, around books. Well, it's interesting that we're, I think we're like, the irony too is that we're on a podcast and you know there's something of a renaissance right now for podcasts and it's the same actually for audiobooks where that market has had i think over a 37% increase recently yeah. um pr- print is still up uh, ebook sales are flat um so i don't think print is going away anytime soon it could it be that you know it's totally possible that it could go, you know, you mentioned independent bookstores, they could go the way of kind of vinyl record stores, they might Mm -hmm. end up, you know, becoming something of a novelty that, you know, hipsters enjoy. And (laughs) (laughs) although I do think that print as a technology is, is a technology that was has been perfected, it's the best way to read a book to to really experience a book, because, um, and certain books can only really be read that way. Like I don't, I don't really see, you know, a children's bedtime story 
being read on an iPad as as uh, readily as you know a printed book. Although you know that could change or it might already be changing. And the same thing with art books, like a giant coffee table book or even literary fiction. Most people tend to want to proudly display that book on their shelves and to have a physical copy. So yeah, it might yeah. be here to stay just in smaller numbers. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely been proven that, that um, the best way to at least retain the information uh, is to read on paper. I've found that personally true. But, you know, I do I do appreciate a good audiobook. I, I personally can only do like nonfiction audiobooks, you know, while I'm doing other things that require the use of my hands, for instance, um, like exercising or uh, uh, washing dishes or such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I think audiobooks in a way cater to, excuse me, our busy lives. You know, the the irony is that technology came along to supposedly make our lives a lot simpler, but I think in the process it created a lot of distraction for people. Like yeah. now I hear of these camps where parents send their kids away to disconnect from their phones and iPads. Like they're sent yeah. to a camp where, where they're not allowed to have electronics. And so I think, I think it's great too, like for anyone to kind of once in a while, just stop scrolling, decompress, take a break from the screen. Um, but I, I think that's one of the driving forces behind audio books and that they, they really cater to, you know, the way technology has changed our attention spans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also agree with you that print, the printed book, you know, can be great for retaining information because it kind of does away with all those other distractions, right? If you're yeah. reading on a phone screen or an iPad, a text message could show up or a notification, right? Yeah, yeah. There is something, you know, and and I'm and I'm all for uh, um, ebooks as well. For uh, I, you know, there's something about probably you've experienced also. Um, when you need something fast, <laughs> an ebook mm. is great because you don't have to, you don't have to travel to, to, to get it or it doesn't have to be sent to you necessarily. It's, it's right at your fingertips, right? Um, sure. Grabbing an ebook and, and then, you know, um, I love that accessibility, but yeah, you're right. The, 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 the um, unfortunate nature of notifications now can derail a, you know, any kind of a comprehension piece so we've talked about that at length actually um with both oh. uh, neuroscientists and uh i don't know there was a great podcast um i'm sure i think it was it was a uh, host of a wnyc show that i'll pull up here that was pretty cool but anyway oh. i digress well, no problem i mean i know <laughs> that that even among students reading textbooks they've done studies that yeah. the students who read their textbooks on with print as opposed mm-hmm. to digitally um, performed much better in their academics. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot. And, and uh, I think that's a really important neuroscience piece. Manoush Zomorodi. Her. Uh, she wrote a book called Bored and Brilliant. She's WNYC podcast host. Wrote this great book. And she was the managing, she was the host and managing editor of uh, Note to Self. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever caught that one, but Bored and Brilliant, How Spacing Out Can Unlock Your Most Productive and Creative Self. And it has all these challenges for unplugging, really, mm. um, to kind of uh, get you back in touch with uh, the creative vein. Yeah, I'm seeing books about that that subject now, too. I mean, I have yeah. this client 
uh, Julie Albright, who's a sociology professor at USC, and she focuses on um, technology and its effects on us. Um, and she has this book called Left to Their Own Devices, mm-hmm. How Digital Natives Are Reshaping the American Dream. And she mm-hmm. has this belief that in a lot of ways, we've become untethered from our notion of the American dream, you know, kind of like in Amer- that movie, American Beauty, you picture the white picket fence, the roses, yeah. two, two car garage and all that. Now, you know, millennials are content to not own a car or a house, you know, right, right. in the sharing economy. It's pretty interesting for sure. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of the writer files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm, where we also humbly ask you to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going. Just click the little yellow PayPal donate button over at writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. And thank you. Thank you.